0: Hi, I'm Burt Broadhead, and welcome to Building Our Future, the podcast where we meet the people changing the way we design, build, and utilize our built environment. There's increasing talk of the impact that digital transformation and technological innovation will have on jobs, and the real estate industry is not isolated from us. From an early stage in the recent tech boom, startups have taken aim at the agency and brokerage sectors in particular, Think Zoopla and right Move. The commercial sector has been relatively insulated thus far, perhaps due to its greater complexity and average transaction value, but also possibly due to having a less diverse stakeholder base and therefore higher barriers to entry. With this in mind, I thought it would be interesting to meet a relative newcomer to the industry who's looking to improve part of a commercial agency service and explore whether he sees the opportunity as being that of displacement of the current agency world or simply improving the current process. My guest today is Will Blakey. Will is an entrepreneur with a background in sales, marketing, and tech. He both made and lost a fortune all before he was 25. Since then, he's founded myofficemove.co.uk, the online marketplace for moving office. Outside of his day job, Will is an active investor in tech venture, Den Automation, and is also an online business coach and life coach, helping people to become, in his own words, the best version of themselves and live the life they want. Will, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. For our listeners, how would you describe my office move?
1: My Office Move is a marketplace for moving office, an online marketplace. So we're connecting the industry to a central platform. We help companies source everything they need from their office space right through to surveyors, solicitors, fit-out contractors, furniture companies, IT and telecoms and removals. So your your customers are uh, tenants? Yes, companies in the process of moving. So... That could be anything from a startup In their gestation period, they'll typically go for a hot desk, co-working environment, and then as they grow, they'll need flexible office space to grow into. But the the tricky spot is when you leave that flexible working space into your own personal home. And there really isn't anything online at the moment to help facilitate that process. It's very broken. Searching the market for an office requires going to multiple different websites or instructing an agent. And that's just the beginning. Once you've found an office, you need to find a whole host of different services. So we've brought all of that information to a central database that's freely searchable. And
0: at the same time, we educate users on the process so that they can stay in control. So I guess your business is really twofold. Is one starts off going onto your website, and it, I suppose it has a similar feel to something like like Zoopla. But then once once I see a property which might take my fancy... The second part of your offering comes in, which is really kind of talking me through the process and acting on my, my behalf to make sure I get the space I need. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, so with Moving House, you've got Rightmove and Zoopla. They have kind of ventured into the commercial property space, but no one's really doing a very good job of it. And that's the gap that we fill. All of the offices on our platform are listed with a complete breakdown of the cost of moving, which is unique to our platform. So rather than just looking at the rent, you can see everything... In, in one foul swoop which improves your decision making process and like you say once you've chosen that office space you can then choose a design you can then choose your contractors and you can source and fulfill uh,
0: the, the entire office move in one place We've been through this experience as well it's like you, we needed office space you go online you can't find anything oh, I wonder why not and I, I suppose part of the reason that the zooplers and right moves mm-hmm. have never really cracked this market is it is quite the smoke, even even on a relatively small office move. Uh, the costs involved are still big. The fit out is complicated. It's not a it's not an easy process to fully digitize or automate. I
1: feel like it is easy. Maybe that's because the technology now is is more advanced than it was in the past. And now that Zoopla and Rightmove have become big giants in the residential property sector, it would become somewhat complicated to venture out into another, another sector because it is effectively a completely different sector within the industry. For us, given that we have no ties to any previous history, we haven't got, you know, we're a, we're a brand new company, we can take a completely fresh look at this. For us anyway, it's been simple to aggregate all of the data and make it available for
0: users. That's interesting. So I think it ties in with, with my next question is why do you think this gap, exists in the market so why, why isn't this being done by the traditional agency world
1: there was a lot of resistance uh in the first nine months of our journey because i had this idea after my own personal experience of moving office and realizing there is no central platform for offices and how complicated the whole thing is so naturally the first thing you do is you want to go out and validate your idea and who better to validate your idea with than agents and people in the industry that operate in the industry, but there was so much resistance. Everyone was telling me, no, it can't be done. I kind of got to the bottom of it. The reason why this doesn't exist already is the industry doesn't want it to exist. All of the agents, or many of the agents, are able to charge large fees to companies in the process of moving office because of how complicated it is. By keeping it complicated, they can justify charging for their expert knowledge and wisdom.
0: Complexity is one thing, but I suppose the more cynical part is, do you think that they are resisting placing properties on, on a kind of searchable site like, like yours, so that you know, control of data is ultimately, is ultimately power, so if you need to find an office, you have to contact a, a, a broker, or, it, or, or do you think that's too cynical of you?
1: No, it's true, it's definitely true. And that will still be the case even with our platform. So we already have more offices UK-wide than any other platform.
0: So over 10,000 offices. That's still not the full market. Are those provided to you by the uh, directly, or is that via the agency community? At the moment, we
1: build relationships with Zoopla. So we have all of their data on our platform. We have a relationship with Search Office Space. They're the oldest service office broker in the UK, 25 years old. So they've given us all of their data. And then the workplace company, and they have 90% coverage of Zones 1 and Zones 2 in London. We are... Now investing in technology to have all of the offices without those relationships so that we can provide a more transparent service. But the point I'm making is even with all of the information that's available online, once we have all of that aggregated onto our platform, there's still about 40% of the market that just never goes online. Um, These big agents are instructed by landlords and they want to keep that data to themselves. As soon as they put it online, every other agent is aware that that property is available. So they're doing a disservice to landlords, I, I guess, but ultimately that's the way they operate. They, they want to take a landlord and be ex- solely exclusively in, in charge of
0: filling that property. I found an interesting quote online by Anthony Hitt, who's the CEO of England Volkers, who are a uh, residential global agency. And he identifies three ways in which real estate agents can stay relevant in the modern world. He's talking about residential, but I I think it applies equally to commercial. Firstly, agents or brokers need to offer outstanding customer service because this builds clients for life, and the personal touch will always be valued. Secondly, the utilization of data and tech. Agents need to embrace this in order to offer a better service value to their clients. Thirdly, they need to target higher price points, and in my view, that also extends to more complex transactions. The rationale being that the more bespoke and complex the transaction, the more likely it is that a good agent can really add value to the process. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And If if I apply it to your business model, do you see that being true in terms of is there a point at which certain transactions are more suited to your platform than the agency model and at which that, that flips over to being actually better dealt with by Specialists, as opposed to as opposed to tag. So, I want to clear one thing up first of all.
1: Our platform isn't removing the agent by aggregating all of the data into central platform. We are helping a user connect with the right agent for the right property without having to search multiple websites. For example, if I go to CBRE, I can only look at CBRE's properties. If I go to JLL, I can only look at JLL's properties. Instead, you can come to ours and you can co- see the full list of properties are available, and then you're still going to contact CBRE and JLL. Sure. So they are ultimately there to provide a service, and what you've just said is completely true because when finding an office space, there are so many different variables when making your decision, and if you haven't got an understanding of those variables and how to analyze that decision to make what's best for your company, then you can make a very costly mistake. Um, So an agent is there to help you understand what to look for and how to make that decision. Uh, They'll they'll also help you negotiate with the landlord because at this moment in time, the market rate is the first three months will be free of charge if you're going for a three-year lease. If you're going for a five-year lease, you can get longer. If the office has been on the market for a prolonged period of time, you could get potentially six months, maybe even a whole year rent-free. This is something that an agent can still add value in. And that's why we don't feel like we're disrupting or
0: challenging the industry, we're just facilitating it. Do you think you can extend that further in the, the impact of technology on our sector, which is it's replacing the, um, the more easy parts of connectivity and it's really forcing people to add value. So we were having a chat before this started about a
1: panel I was on in Zurich about whether technology is a threat and opportunity to the real estate industry. And my answer is simple, if it's embraced it's an opportunity and if it's resisted it's a threat because it's here it's happening it's been happening for many years it's not new but the rate of advancement is increasing exponentially and that is going to impact the industry so those companies that recognize that and implement it to their existing business they're going to see rewards they're going to find it easier to connect with customers they're going to find it easier to complete their transactions you know technology can improve everything all of their all of their processes can become more efficient which means that their staff will be happier which means their their experience will be improved which means the customers will have a better experience so technology isn't here to make people's lives worse it's here to make it better in order for that to
0: be the case you do need to look at it with an open mind and an open heart do you get a sense that that is happening in the in the agency world
1: Uh, We are getting good feedback, yeah. I mean, we've got three global partnerships. We've got several partnerships in London. And we're we're being taken seriously. So I think that's partly because they recognize this gap's existed for a long period of time. Other people have tried to fill it and have been unsuccessful. At this moment in time, the market is so ready for for, for the change. And the technology is so readily available and very cheap. They kind of realize, well, we can't resist it anymore
0: when you're thinking about your customers and 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 the size of their requirements do you you think in terms of square foot or number of people both depends on what they're what they're comfortable with what's generally the sweet spot in terms of uh, the size of organizations uh, approaching you
1: we have a full range of partnerships and a complete network for the full enterprise process of any company of any size it sounds like such a broad statement, and when we first set out to build this company, we went into an accelerator academy, and one of the first things that they tell us is that you need to identify your target market. And I thought, okay, well, should we target office managers? Should we target facilities managers? Should we target HR uh, or, or managing directors and CEOs directly? You know who, who is our customer? What, what size company is it? 10,000 square feet? Is it 100,000 square foot? And, Ultimately, I realized that if we're a marketplace, that means we are the market, which means if you're moving office, we need to be able to connect you with everything that you need of any company size. So That's why we have uh, relationships with agencies that specialize in under 15,000 square foot, and then we have relationships with agencies and fit-out contractors that specialize in 50,000 square foot to 100,000 square foot. And we're already proving to be successful in that domain. We've just helped a client of 2,000 square foot uh, relocate from Shoreditch to Kings Cross. And we saved him a lot of time and a lot of money in the process. And now we're helping a company of 50,000 square foot. Um, The challenge for us as a business is that the larger office moves, 50,000 square foot can take two to three years worth of planning. So given that we're a startup, cash flow is always an issue. And waiting two to three years for a deal to come through for us to receive our fees, you know, that's a challenge. But now that we're at this stage where we've got a pipeline of over 100 office moves, we're, we're, our name is out there, people are starting to come to us. We haven't even spent any money on marketing, and, and this is already the position we're in. Investors have taken us very seriously. And up until now, we have been rejecting investment because we didn't really know what our valuation is and should be. Well, now we're ready, and uh, that should be an interesting
0: time for us. Openly courting investors.
1: <laughs> yeah, hello, come and, <laughs> come and email me. Will at myofficemove.co.uk. How many members of staff have you got at the moment? Just two. Okay. So it's me and Shervin. Uh, Shervin's an amazing, he's our, he's our CTO. He's an amazing developer, full stack developer. He's built technology for comparethemarket.com and he has just built so many amazing platforms. When I first met him, he was trying to launch a very, very high in-depth piece of technology to help actors and people that would otherwise rely on agencies to create their own website, a bit like Wix. But I didn't really see a market for it. We just kind of developed a relationship off the back of
0: that meeting. And now we're working together on this. Beyond the, um, the agency world, which we've spoken about, you, you're not seeing them as direct competition. Are, Are there other people doing similar things to you that you, you view as direct? To my knowledge,
1: no, Again, this is one of the things that the Accelerator Academy tell us we need to have. We need to have competitors, but um, to my knowledge, we do not have any competitors. The closest thing to a competitor we have is those that are competing for the same keywords as, on Google as us. Right. You know, anyone that is in this industry that's trying to connect with a company moving office is all bidding for the same keywords. So we need to be clever with it. you know. We, we, we haven't got a huge budget.
0: Are you targeting the, the co-working sector as well? So desks within within the co-working offices? Or- yes,
1: so we already have 100% market coverage of all serviced offices. Right. So hot desk in right through to private offices. And that's through our relationship with search office space.
0: So there is a company, I think it's called um, Hubble. Hubble? Who, yeah, right. But they're purely focused on... The office service sector, office sector, yeah. yeah,
1: and they have, they have a great platform. You know, they have more data than any other platform in respect to the serviced office sector. You can see the price per desk, the price per per office, per private office. Then there's quite a lot of information as, that that we don't have at this moment in time. Right, but we're working to get that data. And I would say, I don't know, off the top of my head, maybe fifty percent of the the market we have that type of information on. It's the, the other fifty percent that we're still trying to get.
0: And when you talk about information, how how important is it for you to get comparable data in terms of transacted rents so that you can then advise people accordingly, or, or is that really the domain of the the agents? Still,
1: we want users to be able to educate themselves so they're not being sold to. Yeah, you know, as as they say, and ultimately, data is what gives us that power. So as much we we want as much data as possible so that we can arm the user with everything they need when, when making their decision. That's why we made the decision to advertise each listing with a complete breakdown of the cost. Because if you just look at it as rent, you're going to be very surprised when you realise, oh, actually, this office needs a fit-out. It needs furniture. It needs you know, all these different things, all these different components. Ultimately... If you don't go into the office move with that awareness, then you're just wasting everyone's time anyway because you're going to turn around to say, oh, actually, I can't have that office, so I've wasted my own time. I've wasted that person's time. I've wasted that person's time. And that's why we believe transparency and and community is the the only
0: way to do business. What are the plans for my office move? Once Once you raise this investment, which I'm sure will come, what's next? So there's two key parts of our
1: development at the moment. Number one is to have all of the data ourselves. We don't rely on our partners. Although we want to continue having those relationships with our partners, we we want to have the data without depending on anyone else. Then there's a second component to our business, which is an intelligent back-end CRM platform that connects all of our partners together. And this is something that we see a huge amount of value in. And I'll give you a brief overview, not to go into too much detail. I don't want to give away all of our secret sauce. But let's, let's say I'm a company moving office and I'm dealing with seven different suppliers. I've got the agent who's helping me negotiate, who's helping me with all of the viewings. Then I've got the surveyor, the solicitor, the fit-out, the furniture, the removals companies, the IT and telecoms, right? That's the full supply chain. From experience, helping one company moving office, I had to communicate the same message to every single component within that supply chain, so seven times, let's say. But I'm not just dealing with seven companies. I'm getting three quotes from each part of the supply chain. So all of a sudden, that's 21 companies that all need to be told the same thing. I felt like a broken record. And if it weren't me, it would be the client, although that's, you know, that's why we exist. We take all of that that time constraint away from them. At this moment in time without us, the client is having to explain themselves that many times. And then the, what the company they do choose to engage with, there's an ongoing process where they're continuing to exchange spec about the office move. And all of this information is just being sent on emails and spreadsheets, and it's, it's a complete mess. And that broken process in terms of communication is costly, not just in time but also in money because people don't have that information in order to make decisions quickly and then the wrong decisions can be made under pressure so our CRM platform is going to enable all of the communication to be distributed to everyone within the network of the office move so as a user I haven't got to continue explaining myself to everyone and everyone within the
0: network can track communication with said client you've got a a couple of interviews coming up with people who are in in totally different parts of the industry it's about you know how to use technology to make collaboration more efficient, and if you think about something like planning and infrastructure, where the process can go on for years and you've got huge amounts of stakeholders just yeah using using tech to speed up that process is uh, hugely untapped yeah and on the
1: on on the features and benefits side of it, not to continue going into it
0: in too much depth,
1: but from the company's moving office perspective they might not be aware that they need to take action on something within a certain time frame. And if they don't take that action, it could have a knock-on effect on everything else. And then before they know it, they've added three months onto their office move. So this technology also then enables us to notify the company moving office, hey, have you thought about this? You need to think about this. So we can have push notifications, we can have artificial intelligence to help the client uh, stay on track and
0: ultimately achieve their office move on time within budget. I well, shall look forward to uh, following that. Will, uh, you have your own website, which people can check out at uh, willblakey.co.uk. And even if you spend a little bit of time on there, what, what's very clear from reading that and listening to you here is you're very much uh, an open book, kind of put your, put your heart on your sleeve. You're a business and life coach. This is, this is quite unusual for a, a property entrepreneur, do you feel like there's a lot of crossover? Do you do you come across ideas which you can implement in your own business or is it is it one way traffic?
1: Ultimately through coaching, I've had to teach myself to not overthink things so that I can just speak from the heart and when you speak from the heart, ultimately you touch other people and you can support them the way they need support as opposed to telling them who they need to be. You coach out of them the best version of themselves because ultimately we are all just mirrors of one another we're reflections of one another when you support someone in that way it does something to you as an individual so have you heard of oxytocin for example yes yes we all know facebook at the moment is talking about how they've created a feedback loop that gives us a dopamine hit which is very addictive oxytocin is more addictive but we get it from helping others not only is it more addictive, but when you take action that releases oxytocin, it inspires other people. So I found this little hack in life where the more I help others, the more I help myself. So it has a, a, a direct feedback and this positivity that I'm, I feel from helping others gives me fuel and then I can supercharge myself to apply what I know and what I'm learning into this business. And ultimately, my office move is going to require a team of people. And if I can apply my skills as someone that can listen empathetically to people, that's only going to make it easier for me to build a team, train a team, with with the right culture and and value set that is required to build what we're building. Because it's new. Yep. And that means there's going to be lots of hurdles, lots of challenges, lots of things that we don't know, lots of unknowns, lots of uncertainty. And that requires a certain mindset.
0: The reason for the question, and, and thank you for your answer, is um, it is nuanced towards property in a slightly tangential way. So on your blog, you also have reference to uh, Gratitude Journal. And so it's, it's kind of mental and, and physical well-being, which is a trend of today, not, not a fad, but it is a, it is a trend. Do you think this is being reflected in offices, both in the way, and that's a two-phase question, so in terms of what's being offered to occupiers and B, in terms of what occupiers are doing in terms of their fit out? Uh, well, it definitely
1: depends on who the company is, right? I can tell you right now, a young workforce cares about the environment they're working in. We all talk about millennials, right? I feel like a millennial still. I think we all do, really. we don't, None of us get older inside, do we? We kind of just convince ourselves we know what is We know what we're doing. No one knows what we're doing. Everyone's just winging it all the time in every aspect of life, let's face it. The environment is becoming increasingly important. You said just when I arrived, you've got Jess who's going to get you some plants. And, I mean, for me, it's stupid to not have plants. Think about it logically. What do plants do? They take out carbon dioxide and they put oxygen into the room. Well, we are human beings. We feed off of oxygen when we have a a large oxygen supply increases our productivity. Not only that, but it's green. Green's positive. We like looking at things that are positive. So, you know, aspects within the workplace definitely have an impact on our mentality and our emotional well-being. And those things have a direct impact on our output.
0: Jess will kill me if she hears this and thinks, uh, thinks I've told you she's just blowing plants. We're going, we're going full active office, Will. It's standing desks, things to hang off from the ceiling, punch bags,
1: that's so cool that's so cool so you've answered the question yourself you're you're making that transition and that's the way the industry is going
0: do you think landlords are kind of adapting to that in terms of what they're they're offering
1: landlords that are just offering an empty space don't care because the, co- the company moving in will
0: make all those choices. It's kind of integrated in the, in the common parts. I mean, our, our building's a bad, a bad example, but even considering the way you curate a good reception, and whether it's with good artwork or you know, a, a sense of community down at the ground level rather than just a, a grotty lobby, all, all that seems okay. to be part of the part. So
1: the decisions you make about your communal areas will be completely dependent on your target market. For example, if you're a company like Leo... You're, you're targeting wealth managers, you know, find out the financial industry. They've got a very well-to-do Mayfair-esque feel to their buildings, although I know they've just gone under a... Re- they've done a rebrand and they've made it a bit more... You know, they've got a few more plants in there now, which is cool. Maybe, maybe the financial industry's following suit, but ultimately the decisions will depend on your target market. And if your target market is the tech industry and, and, and the young workforce, yeah, the active work, workspace is definitely going to attract... Healthy, positive minded people. And that's the company I want
0: to build. You're an entrepreneur. You've done various different things, sales and marketing. Why, why the real estate industry? How did you? I ask myself that process? question all the time
1: because I don't love moving office. And for the first six months, I did question, well, even probably longer than six months, I questioned myself why am I building this? Why am I building this? Why am I building this? Because I want to love every single day. And if I don't love moving office, then. And if I don't love the industry because of how archaic and, you know, dinosaur it is, how am I going to feel motivated? How am I going to attract a workforce that feel motivated? How am I going to build this over the next five to seven years, however long it takes? Ultimately, I came to, to this realization. The industry is worth 26 billion pounds in the UK alone. And if we would achieve a 7% market share, that's an 87 million revenue, just, just looking at the way that we do business. And that's in the UK. This is my stepping stone into something that will ultimately, within me, I believe I can change this industry and then go on to change the world. I know that sounds really idealistic and people shoot it down all the time, but I do have a real sense of belief that I'm here to do something with a purpose and I am purposeful in every action I take. So this industry
0: is just ready for me to attack and support simultaneously. I think what, what's interesting about the industry is you know when when I started whenever it was ten twelve years ago, is it did feel very much like an industry. It was quite siloed, and it is becoming increasingly less so as there's a crossover with technology and and as the world becomes more connected and more collaborative, these kind of industry walls seem to be coming down pretty pretty quickly. So what one one of your things that you're very open about on your on your website is um, Past failures yes. or... Um, but there is no such thing as failure. R- right, and, and actually, you know, from what you have said, it's, it's not really failure. It's, it's, there's an element of bad luck there or, or mistakes rather than failures. But what, what, have you, what have you taken from your past experience and been able to apply to the current role that you think has really stood you in good stead? Let me
1: clarify the question. What have I learned from my failures that are helping me now or what have yeah. I learned from my past... No, stop from from the from the failures. The failures. Okay. Every time you fail, you learn something very very deep about yourself. My biggest failure is something that does it still haunt me to this day? No, it doesn't. So I will share it with you. This is something that put me into a deep dark depression for about eighteen yeah eighteen months. My biggest success became my biggest failure. I think that's how it works, right? I built a company from eight staff to 100 staff. We turned over 15 million in five years. And I wanted to sell that business. I was ready to exit, but my business partner didn't feel the same way. So we kind of went two separate paths over a period of six months, and we fell out and had many disagreements. And during that time, the business just went in a different direction, and neither of us really had control of it. Long story short, a couple of the sales guys were doing things that weren't moral and ethically right that was aired on bbc watchdog right i'd left the company before this investigation became public knowledge and the the moment i found out about it was the moment it was played on tv and i got a text message saying it was on tv and i was like what the hell is going on (laughs) And at the same time, I was, I was having a failed relationship and just going through a lot of different stuff. Obviously, the arguments I was having with my business partner. Right. So what I learned from it, and that was the reason for this question and why I'm going into this story. There was a three-second video clip, four-second video clip of me on the program. That's it. And I was telling one of the sales guys to blindly follow the training. And there was nothing sinister in those words. It was, it was just spiel I gave to a nervous sales guy saying, oh, I've never sold before. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'd say, oh, it's a good thing that you don't know what you're doing because people that have been in the sales industry for years come in with a bunch of bad habits. You're a blank slate. We can teach you everything you need to know in order to sell. As long as you blindly follow the training, you'll succeed. Yeah. Right? But when you associate those two words with the training he received, well, okay, it looks very different. So I was like, right, what do those words mean? Blindly follow. Okay, that's what it means. Never blindly follow. Question everything. That's the lesson. And it took me a long time. Well, actually, it didn't take me a long time to work it out. I I realized it very early on, but it took me a long time to really let that sink in. If you want to change who you are and change something for the better, then you have to make a conscious decision to change your input. And that's what I did. I spent 18 months completely changing what I consumed and that meant not only my diet but also what I listened to, what I watched, the people I spent time with. And that's what's led me to discovering this gap within the industry. That's what's led me to become a business and life coach. That's what's led me to have all my other ideas that are also running simultaneously in the background to change the world, as I previously said. So that is how a failure can impact
0: someone's life for the better. If you could give advice to anyone out there who's thinking about what to do or stuck in a rut or whatever, what, what, and yeah, what would be the first thing you'd advise them to, to do as a means of kickstarting the process?
1: If you feel like you're stuck in a rut, be proud of yourself. Because some people are stuck in a rut and they're not aware of it. So they stay in the rut. As soon as you feel like you're in a rut, it's your opportunity to change. And there's so much information available online, on YouTube. There's so many seminars you can attend, free seminars you can attend to explore that feeling. Why, why, why do I feel this way all of a sudden? You know, what does it mean? And ultimately, anxiety, the reason we feel it is because it's, it's the body's way of saying we need to change. We feel anxiety because we are in the wrong environment. Our actions don't fall in line with our values. The things that we're doing don't sit well with our gut, and we've forgotten how to listen to our guts because we're too busy listening to our mind and ultimately if you feel this way it's a very positive thing because it's the beginning of potentially a long and difficult journey but the end result will be something beyond
0: what you ever imagined was possible for yourself thank you will that has been that's been fascinating in many ways we've got a couple of slightly left field questions to finish up on what's your favorite building In the world?
1: Yeah. Pyramids class as a building? Yeah, I'll give you the pyramids. (laughs) Okay, they're pretty cool. (laughs) How do they get built? Um, Yeah, yeah, hard labor. I mean, that's that's craft. There's some energy there, right, that was set to contact the beings that are above us or or below us. I don't know, depending on what way you look at it, but the pyramids are a pretty cool building. If we come to office space, Mm -hmm. seeing as this is the, the, the topic of the talk... Um, I really like Central Workings Building in Paddington Two Kingdom Street, which is w- where we're based. Yeah, it's got the most plants of any other office I know of in London, and it just makes me feel so happy. There's a lot of natural light, a lot of plants.
0: And do you like? What's your your views on the Paddington Basin area? As a, as a...
1: Paddington is really cool, yeah. really cool. It's really nice. I mean, it's yeah, well... in terms of transport, it's a bit far out if you if you've got a lot of meetings central. But it depends on what you do, right? If, you've got, if right. you
0: just need to need a, a, a place to work and it's convenient to get to, it's a really nice location. I think the, the integration of the canal has been done pretty, pretty well, actually. It's got a good, uh, good feel to it, especially in the summer. And final question, aside from your own company, what's kind of excited you in terms of looking at what other people are doing in terms of innovation in the, in the industry? There's a company called Giraffe, who I've seen twice now, at
1: PropTech Europe, have you seen them too? Yeah, I like them. Yeah, they're cool. Oh man, it's so cool. So when at uh, the first time I went to Proptech, they were like just starting out, and the second time I went to Proptech a year later, they've got a hundred companies using their product, which is like a lot because their products not cheap. So this is using a.
0: This is them providing a camera to you, effectively, and producing your own. Um, 3D uh, visuals yeah they give you a camera you haven't got to pay for it you just
1: pay for the number of downloads that you do You put it in the middle of the room you press a button and it automatically takes photographs 3D visuals and your floor plans yeah that's everything done with a press of a button literally and the amount of time that saves people and the amount of value that adds to the industry is just insane and he makes it from a 3D printer does he? yeah mm-hmm. in his own
0: office <laughs> that is so smart he, yeah very cool company good choice um, well Will thank you very much for coming on it's been a pleasure and we look forward to seeing what you do in the future you're welcome thank you for having me Will is evidently someone who thinks carefully about what it is he's doing and I think it's really interesting that he's aiming to be complementary to the existing agency model he believes that my office move helps simplify parts of the leasing process and in doing so ...allows agents to really focus on the value-add elements of their role... the personal touch, expert advice and quality negotiations. For the foreseeable future, there's always going to be a conflict in the sphere of data sharing. It's natural for agents not to want to let go of valuable proprietary data for free... ...but there's also plenty of scope for tech collaboration outside of this. I don't think the agency world is dramatically different from any other industry in the sense that those who embrace the better parts of technology to aid them in what it is they're doing will flourish, while others may fall behind. I'll be exploring this further next time when I meet the man at the heart of a prop tech movement. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share the link via my website. Otherwise, please join me shortly for another episode of Building Our Future.